It is the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast with your host and conductor, Anthony Smith. What do we have on tap? Well, only way to find that out, you have to tune in. You have to grab your ticket, get on board, put your seatbelt on. Most importantly, enjoy the ride. That's right. It is the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. Your host and your conductor, Anthony Smith. And we are getting ready to get this train on the track. So let's get rolling. You're listening to the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. Buckle up and enjoy the ride. It is the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. Finals, NBA Finals start tonight. Yeah, this is a throwback Thursday. That's why I hear the funky throwback music. And on the line, I have my NBA expert, Jordan Manning on the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. What's going on, Jordan? Hey, Jordan, what's going on, man? Not much, sir. How you doing? Oh, man, I'm doing right, man. We, I'm doing all right, man. We got the NBA Finals getting ready to fire off tonight. So much. I mean, there. I mean, there's been so much going on this week on the sports scene. So many rumors, so many this, so many that. Here, here's, here's one ironic twist. Remember a few years back, Kyrie Irving, when he was a Celtic? Mm-hmm. KD, he was a warrior. They decided they wanted to pack up and go east. And how ironic, both the teams that they played for are in the finals. I find that kind of hilarious. <laughs> what you think about that? And I was watching um, First Take and stuff earlier this morning and um... – they was pretty much kind of talking about that too, you know, how the teams that they just came from, they, you know, are in the finals right now. And I mean, I guess they felt like they could win a finals, you know, their own way kind of thing. So I guess that's what <clears throat> probably what made them, you know, ultimately choose to team up in Brooklyn. And we see how that worked out. Last yeah. year they had James Harden with them and it didn't work out. This year is just them, and his Kyrie was pretty much part time, which is welcome. He's not getting no extension. They want to make sure he's fully committed. And mm-hmm. I mean, why would you want to give a long term contract? Uh, one of my Facebook friends referred to him as, are "You ready for this one? World be flat." <laughs> we we had a world be free a long time ago. Lloyd Free used to play for. Philadelphia 76ers. And since Kyrie refers to the world as flat, he was referred to as World B flat. I, I yeah, know. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, Kyrie Irving, he's a, I mean, he's a, he's a, he's an interesting guy. 
I mean, obviously he can play. He's one hell of a ball player. Um, you know, he can definitely play. Um, you know, I, I remember hearing Stephen A, you know, he made a comment, you know, it's not quote unquote, but he pretty much was saying, you know, he wants to see a full-time Kyrie and not a part-time Kyrie this upcoming season. You know, right. now with the addition of uh, Ben Simmons, you know, obviously he didn't play this year when he arrived in Brooklyn. So, I mean, I'm honestly excited to see how he, Kyrie, and KD all team up. And, you know, maybe a change was what Ben Simmons needed to, you know, show what type of player he can really be. And, and you know, it's just a matter of we'll see once the new season starts next year. Right. And we're going to talk some playoffs. But since we're talking this, Ben Simmons, Ben Simmons, where did he come from? Philadelphia. Okay. Now, a lot has been said here even recently because a guy we know as uh, his nickname, Troll Embiid, had a lot to say on Twitter, especially during that Miami-Boston series. One of his tweets, Miami could use another superstar. And it's no secret, Joe enjoyed playing alongside with one, uh, now his name went blank, uh, Jimmy Butler. Mm-hmm. Is that a sign of things to come? Well, I mean... Or is it just good media talk? I mean, make no bones about it. Uh, Jimmy has the same utmost respect for Joel Embiid. He enjoyed his time playing with Joel Embiid. And he even went on record and said, that's who y'all traded me for was? Tobias Harris. <laughs> I mean, that was a shot heard around the world. That's who y'all traded me for. And it, it's either like Joel and Jimmy are saying, hopefully one of these days we will hook up. Knowing Daryl Morey, he held on to Ben Simmons as long as he could. Mm-hmm. Daryl Morey is not one who's quick to pull a trigger. So if Joel wanted to go down that Ben Simmons trail, of course he would probably be on the court playing. Joel can hang that up. He's yeah. not getting rid of his go. He will get rid of uh, Doc Rivers before he get rid of Joel and Ben. And the saying goes, if your star player isn't happy, you better make him happy. Yeah, I mean, I feel that if – I feel like, obviously, Joel wants to get to the finals. He wants to get a ring. I feel the only way that that could possibly work out in Philly is if either, one, they get some other superstar – to join him in Philly or Joel and B going to have to pack his bags and go elsewhere and join a team South that Beach. has championship caliber, you know, potential. Cause right now, I mean, not knocking the team that they got, but who outside of Embiid, who is going to be that second, like, okay, I can get 25, 30 points a night type of guy. They really don't have that unless if they drive somebody, you know, this year and coming up in the draft, if they get somebody that just comes in right away and starts playing like that. Exactly. But I just because they gonna have to either get somebody in free agency or he's gonna have to go somewhere else. Because one thing is known for a fact. You cannot depend 
on James Harden come playoff. I, yeah, exactly. He, he is the greatest magician that I know in basketball because he pulls a Houdini when playoff time comes. Which bolds to ask this question, which is the answer is probably most obvious. If Joel had his pick of who he, who he wants to go to battle with in the playoffs, is it James Harden or Jimmy Butler? I think the obvious answer is Jimmy Butler. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> yes, sir. So let's move on into some playoff talk because I got some interesting news feed here. So we're looking at the 2022 NBA Finals, which finally began tonight when the Golden Celtics, when the Golden Celtics, listen, the Golden State Warriors host the Boston Celtics in game one. But there are some interesting stats. The Warriors right now are 9-0 at home. However, the Celtics are 7-2 on the on the road with, with their record. It has a 7-2 record in the playoffs, including the Game 7 win over Miami in the Eastern Conference mm-hmm. Finals. So, the Celtic talk. Celtics and 7, breaking down the NBA Finals matchup with, against the Warriors. Let's look at some important bullet points. Winner of Game 1 in the NBA Finals wins the series 70.7% of the time. That's a record of 53-22 of the time. Mm-hmm. The Game 1 winner at home wins the series 77.6%. That's a 45-13 record. The Celtics are 14-7 all-time in Game 1 of the NBA Finals. They are 13-1 in the NBA Finals after winning Game 1. That's a pretty daunting record right there. Yes, this, sir. Mm-hmm. This is the fifth time the Celtics are playing game one of the NBA Finals on the road. They're one and three in those matchups and two and two in those series. They've lost the last two such series, 1987 and 2010. The Warriors are 7-0 and all-time in game one of the NBA Finals at home and 8-3 and overall. However, the Celtics haven't played too well in game one during this playoff run. They needed a buzzer beater from Jason Tatum in game one of the first round to beat the Brooklyn Nets, which they swept them. They got the brooms. And the Seas lost game one at home in the second round against the Milwaukee Bucks. And they lost game one on the road against the Heat in the conference finals. So, beating the Warriors in game one of the NBA finals will be Boston's most difficult challenge yet. So, what is the most important thing that we could take away from that little breakdown right there. How important is game one for the Celtics in this series? It's very it's very important. Um, these first two games, actually, are very important for them. Um, you know, I got Celtics winning in seven. That's what, my, that's what I'm picking in the finals. I got them winning in six or seven games. Um, and, you know, I, I'll get back into that reasoning, but in order for them to really have a higher chance to, you know, win the finals, they got to, they got to win either game one or game two. Um, I feel that they will be in serious trouble if they go back to Boston for game three down Oh two. And so, you know, my reasoning as far as, you know, why I picked Boston to win the whole thing, I, 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 they have the team to do it. Um, I feel that golden state has not seen a defensive presence like Boston gives at all in these playoffs. Uh, they have yet to see 
you know, all the teams that they played against, um, what was it? Um, Denver, Memphis, and uh, um, Dallas. You know, they didn't, you know, those teams had, had defenders, but Boston, they're so good defensively that all five of them, that they can switch one through five. They don't only, you know, a lot of the other teams, they were only switching like one through three or one through four, you know, trying to play a box in one or a triangle in two and, you know, and stuff like that. Boston, they're so good defensively, obviously with the best defense in the league. They got Marcus Smart, defensive player of the year. You know, they got guys that can switch one through five. And even Al Horford, he's a post player, 35, 36 years old. He's guarding the ones and the twos and doing a one really good job you know, guarding those players as well. Um, I feel like that's going to cause Golden State some issues because, like I said, they haven't seen a a defense like that. And then what's also going to be interesting, too, is how um, Golden State is going to hold defensively on Boston. You know, they haven't – you know, Boston got all these guys. Obviously, they're top two. Jason Tatum and uh, Jalen Brown, they're their top two guys. But then you also – you know, Al Horford could get hot. Marcus Smart can get hot. Derek White can get hot. Robert Williams and Grant Williams, they can get hot. So, you know, Boston has all these different guys that are so dangerous that, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what Golden State does defensively as far as guarding them. Are they going to go zone a little bit like we've seen them do in the playoffs? Or are they going to, you know, try to trap Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown, try to keep the ball out of their hands, you know, and it's like I said, it's going to be interesting to see. But then also I feel Boston has the advantage. You know, they're bigger than them. They're bigger than Golden State. I mean, yeah, they have uh, Kavon Looney. But is he really going to be able to hold his ground with Robert Williams and Al Horford consistently? Absolutely. Who, who Who's their next backup true big behind Kavon Looney? They really don't have one. Right. So, you know, Boston really got to use that to an advantage. And what's also going to help Boston – in these finals, they can't turn the ball over too much. Absolutely. If they have, if they have twelve plus turnovers, you're asking for trouble because Golden State they're just going to get out and run with it and look for the three, no matter who's on the floor. So, is I feel like it's going to be a defense. I feel like the key is going to be defensively. Right. It's going to be something defensively, and you know that's uh, why I would like to see Boston win in six or seven. But I think they have they have what it takes to get it done. And and the thing with Boston is not only are they a bigger team, but they are still a quick team at that. Yes. So even if they play big boy ball, they can still play fast. Uh now I'm gonna go on record and say this. We know what Draymond is gonna bring, we know what Steph is gonna bring, we know what Clay is going to bring. So the other X factors would have to be like, well, your namesake, a Jordan Poole, yep. uh, Andrew Wiggins, they'll have to step yep. up. The one thing that the Golden State Warriors don't have this year, which could be an advantage to them the following year, though, they don't have James Wiseman. And True. that right there is a key, as you say. Because if Looney is out, I mean, who else do they have? Javel McGee. They'll have to. They'll have to go small with Draymond playing the five. Because how much can you really depend on Javel McGee? I think he's still in a Warriors uniform. I mean, he come in, give you about five or ten minutes. But 
Yeah, so I would say advantage Boston. Uh, I'm one who say this could be the potential of a seven-game series, hands down. Uh, basically, is you let you really don't stop Steph. You just try to slow him down because he's going to get yeah. his. He's going to get uh, his regardless. Clay Thomas, he Clay Thompson, as good as he is, and coming off of multiple injuries, haven't played in almost two years until this year. Uh, he still haven't quite shown me the consistency night in and night out. It's like he may get hot and scorch you for 38 points one night. The next night he may come back and have 12 points. So I haven't seen the consistency with him. Draymond is just going to be Draymond. You don't see him as no scoring threat. So that's how someone like a Jordan Poole and Andrew Wiggins definitely have to play a very important role in order for Golden State to overcome. Yes. Definitely agree that, you know, like it's probably going to be one of the best finals we've seen in the last few years, in my opinion. You know, it's going to be it's going to be a defensive minded thing, I feel like, because like I mentioned, it's going to be interesting to see how Golden State handles that intensity on the defensive end that Boston always brings. Right. You know, and stuff like that. You know, that's why they're the top defensive team in the league for a reason. And they're going to show it, you know, in this series. And they have to show it. If they want to get, if they want to take home a trophy to Boston, they got to do it. They got to get it done on the defensive end because defense wins championships. So they got to play really good defense. Absolutely. So I'll tell you what I'm going to do right here. Uh, I'm going to take a break. And when I come back, we're going to talk some more NBA stuff, some more NBA talk. Because there is one player from that last series who proved he should be in the upper echelon of superstars in the NBA. And one of his teammates endorsed that statement. But he also left on record to one Jason Tatum. He said these profound words, it's your time. Who is that? Well, we will tell you that when we come back from this break. It is the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. Your host conductor, Anthony Smith. My special guest, Jordan Manny. We'll be right back. It's the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast, your host and conductor, Anthony Smith. Want to let you know that this podcast is listener-supported. That's right. Driven by you, the listener. So if you want to advertise or sponsor a segment, simply reach out to me at 316-553-2010 or hit me up at a.trainsportstalk at gmail.com to get your ad or sponsorship ran on this podcast. Once again, a train sports talk podcast, your host and conductor, Anthony Smith. You're on board the a train sports talk podcast with your conductor, Anthony Smith. Enjoy the ride.
We are back. Second segment, talking NBA. Got my main man, NBA expert, Jordan Manning on the line. We had an interesting conference or conversation in that first segment. And now we're going to get into some more talk because there was one player who showed that he should be in the upper echelon of NBA superstars. Bam Adebayo's teams seems to think so, but he also has some very profound words for one Jason Tatum. Who are we talking about? We're talking about Jimmy Butler. Jordan. Jimmy Butler showed in the playoffs, and I know a lot of analysts, they base what you do during the season as well, too. And yes, he missed some games. But if I'm correct, some other superstars miss games. Kevin Durant missed some games. LeBron James misses some games. But when the first team, All-NBA, came out, no Jimmy Butler. Okay, maybe not surprising. Second team, All-NBA, came out. Once again, no Jimmy Butler. Now it's kind of head-scratching. Third team comes out, no Jimmy Butler. Somebody definitely have to be losing their mind. And like I said, you can talk all the talk about, well, it's all about the body of work, what they do during the regular season, uh, sometimes maybe what they do during the postseason. However, for Jimmy Butler not to be on neither one of those teams, but yet he showed his value in the Miami uniform and almost single-handedly won game seven for them. How is he not on neither one of those all-NBA teams? Absolutely. So in order for Miami to get over that hump now, because they teased in the bubble, and of course, you know, everybody says, well, the Lakers won, but that's basically in the words of Rob Parker, that was a Mickey Mouse championship. That doesn't count. I'm sorry, I had to <laughs> I had to do my <laughs> I had to do my Rob Parker impersonation. 
And to see them on the cusp of making the finals again, what is missing to get this team over the hump? Not to mention, I have to bring up the name Eric Spolstra. Why is his name so important? Think about it. He had a connection with LeBron James. How many other coaches were connected to LeBron James and you don't hear about them? Are there an assistant somewhere? Probably won't ever sniff another head coaching job. Uh, maybe the exception, Teron Lou. But Eric Spolster has survived the LeBron James aftermath. How has he done it? Yeah. Right. 
let me play devil's advocate. And I know this isn't going to happen. And who knows, there may be a Toronto Raptor fan out there and will probably really bash me for even just thinking like this. But what would a Fred Van Vliet do for a Miami team? Because they got Kyle Lowry, but I think Kyle Lowry is somewhat on the decline. He's not that same one that was in Toronto that won that championship. So let's insert a Fred Van Vliet in the Miami uniform along with the Jimmy Butler. What does that do for that team? Right, yeah, Toronto ain't going to let that happen. (laughs) Yeah. Right. I mean, they, they, they let Kyle Lowry go, and prior to that, I forget who else he let go. He ended up going to the Spurs. Who was that that ended up going to DeMar DeRozan? I mean, and I mean, the, the, the timing of when they let DeMar DeRozan go was like, after they let him go, they win the championship. And, of course, you know, there was a connection between Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan. That they, had a, they had a deep brotherly bond, so to speak. And, you know, speaking of that bond, that goes back, to the Celtics, they got that bond on and off the court. I seen an interview where Marcus Smart was talking about, you know, like when he lost his mother and players were there for his uh, mother's funeral service to let him know that he had a good brother behind him. But yet at the same time, you know, he's that one, he'll get on you if you, if you have to. And the same, you know, he does something that wasn't right, they get on him. But they have that as a, that word they like to use, uh, camaraderie. That's, that's a big word in my vocabulary. But, you know, going back to the Celtics, in that game seven, they did something that hadn't been done in 35 years of playoff basketball. They had three players that hit for 20-plus points and five or more assists in that game. That's been 35 years since that's been done. That is very impressive. So that goes to show, even though they can get theirs, they're still an unselfish team. So if you had to make a prediction for game one, game one, who are you taking in game one? And we know it's on the road, and we do the statistics out there. But sometimes you throw statistics out the window once 
The lights are on, the stadium is filled, and that ball is thrown up for the tip. So who you got in game one? Okay, I'm going to give you that. So what I'm going to do, just for the sake of good sports talk, I'm going to go the opposite route. I'm going to say Golden State, based on some of the points you brought out. They're at home. They're well-rested. Sometimes they can bite you in the butt, but they're well-rested. Although I have seen situations where the team come in off a seven-game series, they do steal that game one. But, like you say, they got the home crowd. They're well-rested. And they have had a two-year layoff from the playoffs, dealing with injuries and whatnot. I think Steph Curry is going to go up in the stands, you know, before everybody filters in, and he's going to do one of those crazy shots. And it's going to go in. And that's just going to set the tempo for the rest of the game. Now, that's, that's a little side note. But the one thing that we haven't mentioned is this right here, that playoff experience. The Celtics haven't been there. Golden State, they've been there. They've been there before KD. They've been there with KD. And now they're back there again without KD. And the amazing thing about it is they got that core group of players. Klay Thompson, Draymond Green, Steph Curry. All the rest, all they got to do is just follow in line. So I say game one goes to Golden State. The scary thing about that is Golden State takes game one. That may set the tempo for the rest of the series, which in essence could turn this from a possible seven-game series to a six-game series, four games to two in favor of Golden State. So, you have Boston in seven. I'm going to say Golden State in six. But I would not be surprised if it goes seven. And at that point, it's a coin toss. Right. So, if, like I say, if Golden State wins this first game, that's the that's the scary thing about this is it could end up turning into just a six-game series. But either way it goes, six games, seven games, I'm looking for this playoff to actually be a classic. Something like a, this may be a stretch, but 
a classic in the realm of, say, a Boston versus L.A. I mean, the basketball world is almost on the right axis because we have Boston in the finals. It's not the Lakers, but Golden State has some tradition. So it's almost like a classic series waiting to happen. So I'm looking forward to a classic series, whether it goes six game, whether it goes seven. If it's a 4-1 series, which I doubt, then I don't call it a classic. But if it goes six or seven games, it's definitely going down as a classic in my book. And like you say, Golden State's got to be ready for that defense. And can Golden State match that same defensive intensity is the next question. So, well, Jordan, man, it's been so nice to catch up with you, man, especially, especially at the last moment, too. Especially at the last, just like on the spur of the moment, like, yeah, I'm going to call Jordan. He's going to answer his phone and we're going to do this. But uh, we'll do this again. We'll probably do, if you're up for it do a breakdown tomorrow sometime earlier in the afternoon and break down how things turned out. If you want to do that, we, Hey, I'm game for it. All right. Well, this is the end of this segment of the a train sports talk podcast. When I come back, I'll have some more. There's been a particular player who has played in the indoor football league and he was lit literally who was that stay tuned i'll come back and tell you more about that on the other side of this break it is the a train sports talk podcast your host and your favorite conductor of the train anthony smith so stay tuned i'll have it for you when i come back This is Tracy, host of the Moonstar Podcast, and you are listening to A-Train. Buckle up, baby, and enjoy the ride. Woo! Welcome back to my final segment. I know... Sometimes you have to bring a good thing to a close. But hey, you already heard it. I'm going to have Jordan back tomorrow. Jordan is one of those guys. He, he's done some internship at a local radio station. We both have connections to that local radio station. And uh, honored and grateful to, to meet such a brilliant young man who's been working in media, working as broadcast analysis for smaller schools and just someone that's in the know with different people and uh it's great to have him on and one of these days he's gonna get his own podcast started and i can't wait because i believe he's going to blow up uh he is a gifted talented very astute very knowledgeable of the sports that he talks about whether it be basketball football i 
I'll even go record and probably even say baseball. But as I get ready to bring this train to a close, I, there is an article, and I want to do it then, but I'm going to do it now because uh, it caught my attention because it's something that has never been done. And, yeah, it was history made, maybe bad history, but it was made nonetheless. Uh, and let's just say this guy was all in intents and purposes he was lit literally young people know what that word actually means to the older generation let's just say in colorado is legal not so in georgia but a quarterback was cut after celebrating touchdown by smoking a joint on the field and we're also going to basically clear the identity of who people thought it was because it wasn't who people thought it was. Quarterback Jason Stewart pulled a joint from his uniform pants and lit it during the game in a fan-controlled football. The quarterback took celebrations to a new high. Jason Stewart, quarterback for the Zappers in fan-controlled football, celebrated his touchdown by touchdown pass by lighting a joint and smoking it on the field. Yes, literally smoking it on the field. And I do believe we have some audio from it. So we pull that up right now. Not only did he light the joint, took about two or three puffs, he passed it to what I would assume would be the DJ at the game, the one responsible for playing the music. He took a hit, choked, and said that was the craziest I ever heard. You also heard him say, you're a legend. That's after he took the first puff of the joint. He went on to throw three more touchdowns in the game, but quickly came down from his high. Stewart was cut with one game remaining in the regular season for breaking an FCF rule stating marijuana is not permitted at the game site or nearby league hotel in Atlanta where recreational use remains illegal. Jason Stewart was cut from the Zappers for violating league policy. Fan control football said in a statement, while the FCF fully supports players' responsible use of cannabis, unfortunately, it is still illegal in the state of Georgia and is banned by our venue and hotel property partners. So our policy of not allowing smoking at these sites is well known by all of our players. Now, Jason Stewart went on Twitter and he said, I'm really amazed how many supporters there have been throughout this process. Love has been incredible. Don't feel bad about me getting cut. 
I'm doing just fine in life off the field. Yeah, you got enough time to smoke a lot of joints, Tony. I hadn't played in six years, started four games, was MVP of three, was a blessing to play again. Usually there is a defense involved when a quarterback takes hits on the field. Not for Stewart, who got blitzed in a very different way. After he connected with James Harden, not that James Harden, at least that James Harden showed up to play, though. For a 21-yard touchdown to open the scoring in the Zappers' 44-14 win over the Glacier Boys on Saturday, Stewart walked towards the sideline, pulled a joint from his uniform pants, and lit it. Smoking that Glacier pack, Stewart said. Stay zapped, my friend, stay zapped. The video was picked up by various Twitter accounts and retweeted thousands of times as Stewart put the high in highlight. Some called it the greatest touchdown celebration of all time. First QB to ever smoke tree after a TD in a pro game. Stewart wrote in an Instagram post for his 110,000 followers. History made, he wrote in a separate post. At some point, we have to have the conversation about marijuana. It's okay for athletes to chug a beer at a sporting event, but they get kicked out of league for smoking a plant. I'm okay with being the sacrifice to raise awareness. When I played at Memphis, they had me on hydrocodone for a lot of my injuries. I couldn't function or play. Then I tapped in the cushion. I felt better, slept better, ate better, had different creativity. I'm not saying marijuana is right for everyone, but there are people in this world that use it as a medicine. Do some research on why it was even outlawed in the first place. All glory to God. I smoke kush and love God. Hate me or love me. I'm one of one. Fan Control Football, a 7-on-7 indoor league where fans call their team's offensive plays, tweeted earlier in the season that the league does not test players for marijuana. And here's another tweet says, happy 420. We don't test for weed and no sports league should. Thank you. Even in a league that encouraged exuberant and excessive touchdown celebration, smoking weed on premise was against policy, leading to Stewart's release. The 29-year-old Stewart, former quarterback for the University of Memphis, was acquired by the Zappers in a trade that sent Hall of Fame wide receiver Terrell Owens to the Knights of Degan earlier this month. Stewart had been starting in place of Zappers quarterback and former Heisman Trophy winner Johnny Manziel, who many on social media mistook for Stewart in the video of the touchdown celebration. Manziel, whose NFL career was derailed in part by alcohol abuse, famously said after his FCS debut last season, win or lose, we booze. Manziel has played in two of six games this season. It remains to be seen if he'll take the field Saturday in the regular season finale with the Zappers, now in need of a starting quarterback. What an interesting turn of events for a quarterback to be on the sideline. Well, to celebrate, and as the article said, put the high in highlight. Or how about getting blitzed 
are taking a hit. All terms, football terms. But in that instance, that was a hit he wasn't protected from. That was a hit he created. Getting blitzed, not by a linebacker either. His self-imposed blitz and putting a high in highlight. Well, that is going to do it for this edition of the A-Train Sports Talk podcast. Hope you have enjoyed this podcast. And in the weeks or maybe the days to come, I am going to be talking about Tyreek Hill. In case some of y'all have missed a little clip of a podcast that will be coming out on June the 10th, Tyreek has gone on record, said he wanted to remain a chief. So I'm going to talk about that in the days to come leading up to that dropping of that podcast. And hopefully I can get y'all's feedback on what do you think actually went down between Tyreek and the Chiefs. Was it a negotiation breakdown or was it not enough money? Was he willing to take less money? Nobody knows. But we're going to talk about the fact that Tyreek went on record and said he wants to remain a chief. Could it be simply that there was a lot of backlash when he left and he was seen in a negative light and he just pretty much wants to clear the record, so to speak? We'll find out more about that in the days and weeks to come. But until then, take care of yourself. God bless. And I'll be back with you again tomorrow as I'm inching close to that 200th episode. I will be having some special guests on. So, Yank, you don't want to miss that episode when it drops. Until then, like I said, be blessed. I love you all. Take care of yourselves. I'll be back again.